Anyone who has ever hung Christmas lights has experienced this. You take out the strings of lights that were working perfectly when you put them away last year. <laughs> you test them out and half of them don't work. Blue lights are my favorite of all the Christmas lights. And so each year I outline our house in blue. Except this year, when I plugged them in, part of them didn't work. In fact, part of every single string of blue lights didn't work. So you had to go to plan B. Sometime after Christmas, I don't know how many years ago, there was a sale on lights. Not blue lights, but green lights. And we bought a bunch of them. And this was plan B. So this year, it's a green Christmas for me instead of a blue Christmas. But I say that realizing for some of you, it's always a blue Christmas, no matter what color the lights are. If you've lost a loved one at Christmas time or had a tragedy, it's not easy to have a holly jolly Christmas, no matter what color lights you hang. Last year, the Ron Waddell family of Ohio came home on on a few days before Christmas to discover that thieves had broken into their garage and taken all of their Christmas presents. Not only the Christmas presents, but they took the lawnmower, the power tools, and some family heirlooms that were stored in the garage. And to make matters even worse, the family had just celebrated the memorial service for Ron's father. So it was a double whammy. Double the grief. Ron says, it's kind of devastating for the family. It would have been my father that I called first when something like this happens. Instead, he was gone and so were their presents. And I wonder how the Waddell family feels this Christmas. Or the families killed in the Waukesha Christmas parade last year. Do you remember that? How Daryl Brooks Jr. plowed his SUV through those marching in the parade and through the crowd. Three older ladies in the Dancing Grannies group, just out to bring a little holiday cheer, were murdered. Innocent little Jackson Sparks, just eight years old and marching with his baseball club, run over and killed. 62 people injured, six people murdered. In October, Brooks was found guilty of six counts of intentional murder and 70 other charges, and he was sentenced to six life sentences plus 763 and a quarter years in prison, which all sounds like a lot, but it won't bring Jordan back or the others. I wonder how Jordan's family feels as this Christmas approaches. Last week, uh, they held the Waukesha Parade again. We can't let evil stop the joy of Christmas, they say. But while the dancing grannies marched again, I can't help but think that they did so with a little less spring in their step, a little less joy in their hearts. And perhaps some of them couldn't even bear to march again because of the trauma and the sadness associated with Christmas this year.
For them, it's a blue Christmas. Perhaps they even blame God for their pain. I was reading through some uh, blog comments from parents who had lost children, and it's never easy to go through that, especially at Christmas time. And most of the parents were struggling with the question of why. But one father, Duncan, has already reached his conclusion about why his son died. He writes, Where was God when my child died? He was right there making sure he was killed. God wanted him dead and he's dead. Real simple. Why can't people get it? God kills everybody sooner or later. Now your grief, don't worry about that. Don't concern God any. Why? Because you got it. It's a byproduct of killing your kid. He knows that. But in the big plan, it's just the cost of business to run the universe. My heart breaks for Duncan. I don't know what killed the son, whether it was drugs, an accident, an illness, on whatever it was. He ultimately blames God for it. And we can say that he's got his theology mixed up or that it's just the grief talking. But grief is real. Tragedy is real. Evil is real. And it's right there even in the Christmas story. You know, we usually stop reading before we get to the murders. They don't fit into the joyous mood that we want at Christmas time. But they're just as much a part of the story of the birth of Jesus as the shepherds, the manger, and the wise men. In fact, it's the result of the Magi's visit. The story's in the second chapter of Matthew. You're all familiar with the way it starts. The star that appears in the east. The east, and the wise men set off looking for the newborn king. They come to Herod in Jerusalem, which is the capital where you expect the king to be born, but he's not there. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And this is usually where we stop reading. Because you know that part, right? We three kings and all. Uh, yes, there's that little bit about them being warned not to go back to Herod, but other than that, it's, it's a joyous kind of celebration. They're worshiping Jesus, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It's the fun part of Christmas. But then as we continue to read on, here's where it gets dark. Blue turning to black. 
When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Barely born and already Jesus is forced to live as a refugee with an evil king bent on taking his life. But at least Jesus is able to escape. The other poor boys in Bethlehem weren't so lucky. Continues. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. We call that the slaughter of the innocents. Because Herod knows that the newborn king is born in Bethlehem, <clears throat> and because the wise men didn't return to tell him which one it was, Herod has all the little boys killed. Matthew says this fulfills the prophecy from Jeremiah. Remember last week how we talked about prophecy and, and how it's, it's best viewed backwards? Still, if that's the case, is God to blame? Did God want those little kids dead and didn't care about their grief like Duncan claims? And is Jesus an accessory to murder? I mean, an accessory is defined as someone who aided or contributed to the commission or concealment of a crime. If Jesus hadn't been born in Bethlehem, then there would have been no slaughter of the innocents there. So is he to blame Sure, Herod is the one who ordered the murders, but if this is all part of God's plan, can we put the blame on God and charge Jesus as an accessory? You know, it's easy to say, well, no, of course not. But I wonder how the parents of those Bethlehem babies felt. Maybe a lot like Duncan. It certainly was a blue Christmas for them. So what do we do with that part of the Christmas story? What do we do with our own grief and pain and loss at Christmas? And we don't have time to go into the, the whole why do bad things happen to good people debate. You can read the book of Job in the Bible. You can read the thousands of other books that have been written to wrestle with that question. But the fact is, there is no easy answer to those questions. And not even blaming God like Duncan does makes it any better. But there are some things we can learn from this part of the Christmas story. First of all, sin and evil and death were already there. The Bible remembers King Herod for the slaughter of the innocent children of Bethlehem. But Herod was always slaughtering people 
that he perceived as a threat to his kingship, even his own family. His brother-in-law, the high priest, he had drowned. Another brother-in-law he had executed. Even his wife, Mariamne, he had murdered. And his mother-in-law, too, and three of his sons. Not to mention all the multitudes of ordinary citizens that Herod killed. Anyone who he perceived to be a threat to his rule. It's kind of like Russia's Putin. It doesn't matter how many innocent lives are taken as long as he stays in power. Murder and sin and evil were already running rampant in Herod's kingdom before the murders in Bethlehem. But then that can probably describe any country at just about any time, even our own today. I mean, we live in a fallen world. We hear stories of, of murders, whether it be last year's parade in Waukesha, whether it be last night downtown. We live in a fallen and broken world, and it's been that way almost from the very beginning. God created the world a, a great place, a good place, the Bible says, a garden of Eden. But we were given the ability to choose evil over good and sin over God. And Adam and Eve and every single person since has in some way made sinful choices. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, it says in Isaiah chapter 53. We may not all be murderers and despots like Herod, but all of us are sinners living in a broken and fallen world. So is Jesus to blame for our blue Christmases? No, sin is to blame. Human sinfulness and the broken world that comes from that. Jesus is not the cause or the accessory to murder and violence and injustice in our world. But he is the solution. Romans 15 puts it this way. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who will receive it live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Or as those familiar words of John 3, 16 and 17 say, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus, the light of the world, not to cause the death of the innocent, but to save the lives of all of us, even when we are guilty, and to bring hope to those struggling in a dark and cruel world who can see only blue light at best this Christmas. And if that's you, if you're having a blue Christmas this year, you don't have to put a smile on and pretend that you're feeling joyful. 
the grief and the pain, and those are real. Just as it was for the Holy Family fleeing as refugees to Egypt or the other families in Bethlehem whose children were no more. Some Christmases, all you can see are the blues, no matter what color lights you put up on your house. So it's okay not to be jolly. But I would like to leave you at least thinking about the lesson of blue lights. See, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when you look at a multicolored string of lights, maybe in a tree in somebody's yard or in somebody's house, the blue ones are always the hardest to see. Even we're looking at the, if you looked at the little picture of, of lights um, around that guy that was all wrapped up in the lights picture, the, the yellow ones, the, the red ones, the orange ones, they all stand out really bright, but it's, it's tough to see the blue ones. The blue ones just seem dimmer. Look at, look at the ones on the far, on his far left-hand side, the yellow compared to that blue. Same intensity of light, but blue is harder to see. It's always that way. And, and they're not only harder to see, but, but when you look at them from a distance, they also appear to be fuzzy compared to the green and yellow and, and red ones. And that's because of weird property of blue light. It's hardest to, to see light when it's blue. Uh, our eyes only uh, have the cones that receive the blue light are only about 10%. There's way more for, for red and green. But not only that, it requires the, the eye to, <coughs> to focus differently. Each little wavelength of light requires a little different uh, need to adjust. And the one that's hardest to adjust to is blue light. And in addition to that, the blue light is also scattered most by anything in the atmosphere or in our own eyes. So just traveling through the air, the blue light gets scattered. So the blue light's harder to see and the blue light is fuzzy. Blue light's are just a little bit more difficult. And when we face a blue Christmas, it's exactly the same way. With the burdens of our grief and pain, it's harder to see the light of Christ when we're seeing it as blue light. And the world becomes fuzzy. Nothing seems clear like it once did when we go through a tragedy. And try as we might, it's just plain hard to adjust to our losses and our grief. Like a blue light. It's just harder. What? But there is something else about blue lights, especially blue LEDs. They don't last like other colors. They're, they're the hardest to make. <coughs> I don't know if you uh, paid any attention to uh, the Nobel Prizes uh, about a decade ago, but the inventors of blue LEDs actually won a Nobel Prize for it. It was so hard to create blue LEDs compared to the other ones that we have. 
that they won a Nobel Prize. And because it's so hard to make LEDs that emit that blue color, they, they don't last like the other LEDs. The blue ones, they go away. They burn out, which may be why I had to go to green this year. But think about that. The blue times don't last. Just like the, the blue LEDs, they fade, they burn out, leaving the bright whites and yellows and reds, the cheerful greens, and the blue ones, they burn out. The blue times don't last in our life. And even if Christmas is blue for you for the next 20 years, or maybe for your lifetime, Jesus came to shine God's light into our darkness and to bring us into the light of glory with him. He came to take away the victory from the Herods and the Daryl Brooks Juniors of the world to comfort the parents of Bethlehem's children and to restore light and life to all of us, to me and you. Christmas is not good news because it's all holly jolly, jingle bells and all is well. It's good news because it's news of a Savior who has broken in to our broken world, where cruel people still kill the innocent, where violence and surrounds us and missiles fall on Ukrainian hospitals, bullets fly in our Walmarts and nightclubs, where bosses give you the shaft and friends treat you like trash and hopes and dreams crash and burn, even in December. Even at Christmas, there's plenty to be blue about. But the good news is that Christ has entered into our brokenness to bring salvation from all that. As the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 9, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And that light is not a blue light. It's the light of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for everyone who is feeling blue this time of year. Through loss or pain or discouragement. It may even be us. And Lord, with, as with the blue lights, it's harder to see clearly. The world gets fuzzy. It's hard to adjust. But we know that the blues don't last. Because even if they last a lifetime, you have given us eternal life. And you welcome us into your kingdom of light that has no end. The blues will end, but, but not you. And not the life you offer to us and to those we love. So Lord, this Christmas, we ask for your peace. We ask for your peace in our world. As we sang, Lord, we... We pray for the time when the whole world 
echoes back the song of the angels of peace on earth, goodwill to all of us. Lord, thank you for the gift of this day. And even if we can only see the blue lights, thank you for the reminder that they don't last, but you do. And in your name we pray. Amen. church has never pretended that life is, is all perfect and, and easy. So even in this Christmas time when the whole world tells us to, to be joyful and, and cheery, we celebrate the reminder of why Christ came, to give his life for us. On the night before he did that, he took the bread at the table there and he gave thanks and and he broke the bread and he gave it to each person there. And he said, this is my body given for you. And he continues to give his body to you today through this sacrament. So I invite you now to take the bread, little wafer or the, the piece from the top or bottom of your cup and to receive now the body of Christ for you. He also passed around the cup. And he said, this cup is his blood poured out for all of us for the forgiveness of sins. He told us to remember him whenever we do this. And so we do remember how great is the love of God that he came into our broken world, world where, where death seems to win. 
He himself shed his blood and died for us. But it's so all of us might live. So life might be victorious. And God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. So receive now the cup, the blood of Christ for you. Lord, thank you so much. We thank you for every moment of joy we feel, for all the happiness of this season, if not for us, then for others at least. And Lord, if we are feeling a little blue or feeling completely lost, remind us again that you're with us that you love us and you offer us hope and light. 